This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening, and welcome to the Late Late Show with me, Tom Rogers, on Teachers Talk Radio. This evening, talking everything that's going on right now in education, whether that be COVID testing, masks, school closures, remote learning, the whole package looks like it's coming back. Maybe the dark days are returning. Who knows? We'll soon find out. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Okay, good evening everybody. I'm hoping you can all hear me okay. Uh, do let me know if you can or you can't. Um, we are live this evening on Teachers Talk Radio talking about everything that's going on in the world of education. Uh, more specifically, as these dark days in the uh, in the nether sphere. Um, so we're going to be talking this evening about masks and all that jazz, uh, particularly the stuff that we we don't want to carry on, we don't want to continue. Now we're going to look at what the Daily Telegraph reported a few days ago regarding um, school closures and regarding the fact that they were basically saying don't close or we'll have to get volunteers in to do the job for you. Uh, <laughs> we'll also be talking a little bit about remote learning itself, whether that's going to return and what all our thoughts are on that returning might be. Um, and I'm going to share a little bit, in my opinion, about remote learning in terms of what I think about it, you know, because I think there were some positives about it. I think that at the moment, there's an unprecedented number of teachers who are leaving the profession, who are quitting the profession. Um, and I think that that is something that digital technology, in particular, the remote learning can assist in and can help um, significantly. Um also, we might think about the schools of the future within that context and thinking about how schools in 20, 30, 40 years time are going to look. Now, no one is going to claim, well, at least I don't think they're going to claim, there may be some technologists who claim it, but no one, as far as I'm aware, has has claimed that, um, that teachers can be replaced, that VR or digital technology or online resources can replace the, uh, the teacher. I haven't seen anybody argue for that, but I've certainly seen people who are edtech enthusiasts who who uh, may believe that teachers can be in some way phased out. Now, I don't necessarily, of course, I don't believe that teachers can be phased out, but certainly what I do believe is that we can look at situations and scenarios that can use the technology we have to keep teachers in the classroom teaching. So we'll come back to that in a minute. What I'd like to try and do now is play the news for you. Um, and then when we return, we're going to get into this Telegraph article, which was published uh, yesterday. Um, and I'm going to read some of it to you. Um, we're going to kind of discuss it and uh, break it down and analyze what it all means and what they want to happen. So I'll be back in a couple of minutes. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle... Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. 
created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cats. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk. Teachers Talk Radio is delighted to support Winston's Wish, the UK's childhood bereavement charity. Winston's Wish supports children and their families after the death of a parent or sibling. They provide emotional and practical bereavement support. Expert teams also provide online resources, specialist publications and training for professionals. Find out more about Winston's Wish and pledge your support at www.winstonswish.org. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. Following last week's warning from Ofsted's Chief Inspector that a number of children are missing from school, England's Children's Commissioner, Rachel D'Souza has announced that an investigation to locate the ghost children is to be launched. Some estimates have suggested that as many as 100,000 children are at risk of abuse after failing to return to school after lockdown. Rachel D'Souza said, We're hearing lots about ghost children, and I hate that term. These are real flesh and blood children. We should be able to find out where every child in England is. We should be making sure they are in school receiving high quality education. The Education Secretary, Nadim Zahawi, said his department had now set up a new attendance alliance designed to bring together the key figures able to tackle the problem of missing school children. Following Nicola Sturgeon's announcement on Friday that the Scottish Government would do all that it can to keep classrooms open, the Deputy First Minister John Swinney has stated that schools in Scotland will be the last thing we close. These announcements come in response to a rapid increase in cases of the new strain of Covid and a call from teaching union boss Larry Flanagan to close schools early for Christmas. He said the Scottish Government should consider an early Christmas closure if a fire break is needed to fend off a new wave. Nicola Sturgeon said last week that she would bust a gut to keep schools open as normal. Butterflies Nursery in Craigie, Dundee usually organises food bank donations around Christmas. But this year they have raised the bar and have launched a winter jacket drive. Manager Caroline McDermott said, It just came from us thinking, what else can we do to help? A lot of people have lost their jobs with the pandemic recently and the last thing a lot of people think of when they're doing their budget 
is a warm winter coat. We printed off some laminated signs and made some flyers. So far, it's been quite successful. Everyone deserves a winter coat. So far, more than 50 coats have been donated by pupils, parents and staff. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. This week we're going to look at one of the simplest, freely available yet least used browser technologies, the Reader View. Chrome versus Edge, let the battle commence! On screen one, I have Microsoft Edge, weighing in at the cost of zero pounds. On screen two, I have Google Chrome, also weighing in at the cost of zero pounds. Round one, opening Reader View. On the Edge browser, the immersive reader feature is built in and can be activated by a button on the address bar, by typing read followed by a colon in front of a URL, and also you can simply press F9. Before you can open Reader View in Chrome, you have to install it as an extension. It's free and not difficult. Once installed, you'll find it in extensions located to the right of the address bar. One point to immersive reader. Round two, features. Both come out fighting with the read aloud feature that allows the user to adjust the read speed, skip forward and back, and change the voice that is reading. They both also highlight the word being read. Chrome Reader has a volume control, which is a nice touch if not using headphones. One point, Chrome Reader. Round three, readability. A big feature for reader views is the ability to change the formatting to suit the user. Both allow easy changing of font size, font and text width on the screen, but they differ in background colour features. Here is where Immersive Reader offers quite a bit more. Chrome Reader offers eight backgrounds slash contrast colours, four light and four dark. Immersive Reader provides 23 background options, green, pink, yellow and blue included, allowing pupils with visual needs to find a comfortable colour. One point, Immersive Reader. Round four, editing. Chrome Reader features a design mode. This allows you to highlight text and make changes. Quite useful if wanting to pick out key points to return to. Immersive Reader does not have this feature. One point Chrome Reader. Round five, extra features. Immersive Reader has a grammar feature, allowing words to be split into syllables. You can highlight nouns, verbs, adjectives and adverbs by flicking switches. This feature is not offered on Chrome Reader. One point Immersive Reader. Immersive Reader also offers reading preferences, featuring line focus of five, three or one line, blocking out the rest of the page. There's a picture dictionary, allowing some words to change the pointer to a magic wand that reveals a picture depicting it. Also, there's a translation feature allowing partial or full translation of a page into 88 different languages at the click of a button. Chrome Reader does not offer these features, however, other free products such as Google Translate could be used. Immersive Reader takes the point because you don't need to leave the page. Final score! Winning with four points to two after a blistering final round is Microsoft Immersive Reader, but let's face it, most people don't know these things exist. If you were one of them, please do something about it. See if these features are installed in your school, and if not, request they are. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2021 Twitter feed. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening everybody and welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. We are live as usual on the Late Late Show with me Tom Rogers. And in a minute, 
we're going to get into all the latest news on COVID for schools, and particularly reference to a Telegraph article that was published yesterday, and many, many other nasty, horrible things to discuss, including the little shindig at the Department of Education last year. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good evening, good evening everybody and welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. As usual, we are live, we are always live. And one of the things I wanted to discuss this evening was this telegraph festive message to teachers uh, and the headline reads key gov- uh, key demands for the government from the telegraph the first one is ensure children return to the classroom after the christmas break by drawing up new legal protections to keep schools open in any future lockdowns now i noticed in the comments that one got quite a lot of support when i tweeted it out earlier i think the idea of closing schools again is now something that nobody in their right mind wants to see. Um, But in saying all that, if these cases of Omicron go the way they seem to be going, or sorry, Omicron, whatever the hell it's called, then maybe the government's hand will be forced. And I very much hope not, but that's the way things perhaps look like they might go after Christmas. But I don't wanna cast those gloom and doom assertions. Second point, make clear to schools that they should not send home more children or teachers than is strictly required under government guidance and intervene if schools go beyond this. Well, again, that got a lot of stick on my Twitter account um, because it implies that schools are sending teachers home willy-nilly, which, as far as I'm aware, is not happening. The only reason that teachers are going home is if they are a close contact of somebody who has got COVID or if they've got COVID themselves. Third point, mobilise an army of volunteers to keep schools open if staff are off sick. Now, I'm not sure where the Telegraph think this army of volunteers is going to come from, but I can't see many queuing up outside the schools wearing scout uniforms. Unless I missed that, I missed all these wonderful people who want to go and work in schools for nothing. Um, uh, Is it the Telegraph readers? Is it, uh, you know, who is it that wants to do this? I think it's a lovely thought uh, that people would cover for teachers when they're off sick for nothing and just suddenly turn up when they can't even get enough teachers to actually do the job uh, paid, right? Uh, But that's what the Telegraph is saying. And And again, it it seems to be this idea that teachers just babysit, you know? That seems to be the implication that we just need people to look after the kids, which obviously kind of that deprofessionalized idea uh, is one that, that seems to, you know, that would be one view, one reading of that point. Fourth bullet point, but large external venues to guarantee that exams can go ahead next summer. Well, I'm not sure, A, where the budget for that would come from, and B, where these large external venues are. Um, And C, there's plenty of issues there with with safeguarding, lots of other issues to consider there in the mix. And finally, consider reducing the self-isolation period 
for children and teachers who test positive. Well, that's all well and good for somebody who is sat probably at home writing that particular report to say, but what about the teachers who are surrounded by hundreds of students every single day? Now I'm gonna bring in a caller now. I've got Brent Poland on the line and Brent, I'm gonna ask him what his opinion of all of this is. Good evening, Brent. Good evening, can you hear me? I can, I can hear you loud and clear. How are you this evening? I'm not too bad. Fellow historian to fellow historian, so this could be interesting. <laughs> well, absolutely. Uh, do you want to tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm an experienced teacher. I've been teaching 18 years uh, in the same school, so uh, a bit like a Stephen Gerrard. Um, just done one <laughs> extra year than Stephen Gerrard. <laughs> you can guess which team I I, I, I vouch for. Um, so yeah, I've, I'm, I'm nice. a one 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 school one school guy. Um, I don't want to go anywhere else. Um, it's a lovely little schools, faith based school. Um, the head of history there was head of geography previously, citizenship, HSC, international schools is my thing as well. Uh, I'm politically active yeah. in the Green Party, and I'm a union man. So yeah. I've been a union uh, rep for the last ooh, six six seven years, basically. To protect my colleagues, uh, and that's the thing. That's that's my my unofficial job within the staff room is is the the guy that lays out the staff room and annoys people by making sure all the seats are two meters apart. I even bolted them down, believe it or not, and measured them. So yeah, so that that's been my Fantastic. job every once in a while. So yeah, mm. and I've been tracking this all the way through, trying so what to make do sure you... that all my co- yeah. So yeah, trying to make sure everybody's safe, including the kids as well. So. Um, work well with a head teacher and um, we were doing quite well so far as, as a school we're doing quite well however um, I saw my head teacher today and says well how are you feeling and he's got no guidance so he's a little concerned I'm a little concerned about what's happening now yeah yeah it is it is a concern it is um, I hope you can hear me okay by the way I'm just going to carry on talking Spot on, yep, yep. and hope you can yeah oh good um, I was going to ask you about these points that the Telegraph have written and particularly what your views on them were uh, the, the the one that kind of stood out to me was this idea of mobilizing an army of volunteers to keep schools open if staff are off sick I wonder whether you had a view on that I had visions of either Dunkirk or Dad's Army or, or Jonesy coming in. <laughs> I, it's absolutely ridiculous. They tried this last year, didn't they? They tried this with the this time last year. They talked about um, schools doing the testing, and they talked about an army of volunteers going into schools. And the thing that I worry about that is is that what about DBS? What about, you know we're just going to open schools up to anybody? And then what about community transmission? It's such a badly thought out situation that just send people into schools as if. As if it's a holiday camp or you know, Heidi High mm-hmm. campers. It's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous idea. And I mean, the thing about it is, look at this article, the Daily Telegraph. I think Patrick Flynn, who's an ex UKIPper, he wrote a similar article in, and there, and it's basically it's the lobby. It's this us for them um, parents group. And if you look on their website, it's it's quite it's quite nasty stuff. It's it's all about the kids. It's not about not about the teachers. I, re- I read through all the material before I came on here, and I couldn't see any mention whatsoever of the 1 million adults, not just the teachers, but the, the 1 million adults who work in education, because the support staff as well, I mean, because that's, that's one of the things I want to make sure is that not only my colleagues looked after, the kids looked after, but what about the caretaker? What about the cleaner? What about the mid supervisor? Mm-hmm. And a lot of those people are always, you know, you look at the age profile of people in those type of minimum wages in schools. You know, I've seen more of my support staff get COVID than I have teaching staff. 
because they're more vulnerable and they have more face-to-face -face with the children. And they never get mentioned. They never get mentioned at all. And none of this actually mentions the staff. None of this actually mentions about school budgeting. And, and that's what worries me. It's pure political lobbying by this us for them parents group who, for, whatever, for their own reasons, want to keep schools open at any cost. And I think, to be honest with you, it's because we know this. It's economic. Um, look, a story into a story. Mm. I've never understood this until now. You know, I feel like the, the, the guys sent over the top against the machine gun continually. You know, the lions led by donkeys. And the whole school's policy for the last year and a half has been shameful. They've just gaslighted schools. They've just basically said, uh, nothing to see here, move along. Uh, kids don't get it. Kids don't spread it. They've, they've lied. They've actually tried to cover up the figures about our profession. Then when we, when we push back, they get the right-wing attack media to do a hatchet job on the teaching profession, like Rod Little. Oh, my God, that article by Rod Little. It's an absolute disgrace. And the Telegraph is just doing exactly what probably the lobby wants it to do, is to put pressure on us. And the thing that hurts me about that, Tom, is I'm intrinsically motivated to be a teacher because I care about the kids. I don't need to be guilted to go into school. I don't need to be guilted into doing my job. I do my job regardless, and I, and I want schools to stay open. But the big thing that annoys me is they keep talking about keeping schools open, but they didn't talk about the £1.5 billion, which was inadequate for the catch-up money, which should have been £15, £15 billion. And the new catch-up czar walks on that one. And they don't talk about ventilation. They don't talk about the fact that Germany or USA have had ventilation systems going in since last November. So this, this article is just mm. another example of, of the hatchet job by, by certain media. But do you think, just to play devil's advocate here, and, and there will be those out there outside of teaching who would probably say, well, there are lots of other professions, thinking of the police, thinking of the NHS, thinking of, there are quite a few other professions that I think of where regardless of what happens, they're going to carry on going in. They're going to carry on doing their jobs in the same way that they're saying here. They're going to find a way, if you like, of keeping the doors open and of carrying on as normal. So what makes teaching different? Well, as you well know, I'm sure you bring your own resources. Uh, you know, I've seen some of your resources. I don't know how, how lovingly you prepare them. But like everything else, we don't have the funding. I mean, the, the NHS is set up now. The local supermarket's set up for COVID. Schools are not set up for COVID. In fact, what's really, really annoying about this whole thing is, is that I'm oversubscribed as a school. And, and when the year 11s left and had their GCSEs cut short, but they left, we noticed a massive difference when we reduced the capacity of our school. We have got one of the most crowded educational establishments in Western Europe at a time when well, some, well, let's put it this way, some privatized educators, i.e. supposed to be public sector, but we know how the mats operate, are trying to put as many bums mm -hmm. on seats and literally pack as many kids into a classroom. So you have a toxic mix of packing classrooms full of children. You know, £15 billion is needed to bring our schools up to date because, you know, there's still porta cabins being used. There's some still classrooms that have got more leaks than the Titanic. And literally, you know, the, the police are outdoors. They, they've got mitigation. And I do, absolutely, my nurses and police, all those other public sector workers, they're all heroes as far as I'm concerned. And I, I stand with them. You know, I, I backed a motion at our conference to, to have um, pay rise for NHS nurses at 15% to backdate their mm. pay back to austerity at 2010, something they need to look at our profession doing as well. So it isn't this competition in a sense. I, I feel their pain. And equally, when I meet friends of mine who are police and, and friends of mine who is an ICU nurse, the first thing they say, they look at me and they go, 
how are you doing what you're doing? And I look at them and go, man, you're dealing with the general public and, and you're dealing with people having this thing. And they look at me and go, you're dealing with teenagers cooped up in a building, like caged hens who are about to explode. And, and, and we're dealing with, I think we're some, dealing with some of society's biggest problems at the moment from social mobility to angry young people to children's mental health to adult mental health. You know, we're practically social workers at the moment. We're, but wouldn't someone we're argue... Wouldn't someone argue that that's the same for people in the NHS and the police, that they're having to deal with those issues too, but maybe in different contexts? True, but at the same time, they've been given the funding, they've been given the proper PPE, they've been given COVID protection. They have changed how they, their services are, are operating. I mean, the NHS is unrecognisable now. Doctors are, are working mm. from home and God bless them. They're, they're, they've been thrown under the bus as well. So there's a certain narrative there of you know the public sector being attacked. But we've not schools hardly changed. A couple of stickers on a couple of stickers on a floor, a one-way system if you're lucky, and open windows and a door <laughs> with a bit of hand sanitizer if you're lucky enough. That's there's some left. How have schools actually really changed? They did when we did our blended learning. They did when we had bubbles. But at the same time now, we're almost back to that not happening. And and that's the, the shocking thing is, is that there's almost a gaslighting of schools as if oh, nothing to see here, move along. And so the kids will be fine and the kids will be fine. The kids, the kids don't get it. I've got children who've got long COVID. I've got vulnerable, medically vulnerable children who have served hospital mm. sentences, sentences with this. I've got colleagues who are wheelchair bound because of long COVID. Healthy people with no, under, no underlining thing. And this will all come out in the wash, yeah. you know, because, you know, at the end of the day, as a teacher, I want the best for my profession. I'm tired of my profession being run down. Yes, we will do our duty. We've done our duty and we've tried our best. I don't want schools to lock down. I want schools to stay open. But in the sixth wealthiest country in the world, I want the resources to be able to keep the schools open. And that's the problem is the government has resisted, what, 18 months. Now, they talk about their mantra, build back better. Surely they could be spending build back better on build back better classrooms, build back better education. And that's the thing that hurts me the most. They found funding for inappropriate mates, but they haven't found it for our children. You know, and that, that, that's shocking. And then what? Marcus Rashford has to come along and say, let's let's feed our children. And what do they do? They vote against that. I haven't covered scandals where we had Eden Red, which is a, a, off, um, a French company that was given a contract for, for school meals. And where did the money go for those school meals? Because the kids didn't get them. My local MP, who's a vaccines minister, said that the local secondary schools didn't take up the offer of free school meals. Guess why? Because they never got the call to take up the offer. There's a lot of stuff like that going on in education where money is there. Yeah. There is. I mean, there is. But that's always been the case, I think. I think that's that's I think there's always been money swilling around in various different pockets and projects and all the rest of it. I think that's to an extent has always gone. I think it probably has got worse, but then that's open to to different persuasions, I guess. Um, In terms of masks, how are masks going? in your school, Brent, at the moment? And how, you know, people you talk to, how how's the mask situation? Also, Brett, if you can just try and stay still, because I'm hearing a little bit of kind of, I don't know whether you're moving the wire on your headphones or something, but let me know. Um, and just try and yeah. put your phone down. And not on me, but just try and put it down on a table or something. Um, yeah, so what, what? how's masks going? How's the mask situation? Yeah, we, uh, with masks, so... A guy, we sat down, looked at the mitigation, early doors, and 
we, we, we went early on that and we've, we've got a culture of, of wearing it in the corridors. So come September, we started to see a lot of cases within three weeks. Uh, and my head teacher and I sat down and he said, right, in communal areas, we got masks back on. Problem is, of course, is some parents have gone down the rabbit hole of the YouTube um, and, and, and Facebook uh, Karen, basically, you know, and we're, we're starting to get a lot of pushback now from individuals who are like, it's gone far enough. So there is mask fatigue set in. And it's a constant battle now in the corridors to, to, to look at children. And I've noticed a lot more who are going, I'm exempt. I'm trying. I think it's the same society, that there's a fatigue and an almost a kind of like a rolling of the eyes. Or do I have to do that? So I think there's a general fatigue. But we, we, we have, we've mandated that we want. And it was actually quite useful the last couple of days to be able to say in the corridor to children, you know, they did a thing by the government now, you have to wear it. Um, systems. I've had kids at my classrooms in a one-way system, and if the kids go in the wrong way, and I'm like, well, you know what? In two or three years, when you get your driving license, why don't you drive your car down the wrong way down the road and say how far? Why do I have to do? And you know what kids are like? Why do I have to do this? Why do you have to do that? Battle, but I do feel that some undermined at home, and there's a definite pushback. You know, there's a definite kind of fatigue set in, and we're feeling the brunt of that too as well, trying to convince this is school. And the mixed messaging from the government has not helped schools at all. It has not helped at all. Yeah, we've had a we've had a text in here from Mr. Coates, uh, or it could be Miss Coates. I don't know. It's one of the two. Um, interesting response to the teacher burnout crisis that I read in the Guardian. It's definitely been an intense year, not just for adults. Last month, in some school districts in the U.S., school closures were announced, not as responses to rising COVID numbers but to accommodate teacher burnout. Detroit Public Schools decided that until the end of the year, they would close their classrooms every Friday and revert to online learning. And in Florida, the school holidays were uh, extended. Uh, I've also had a few texts in from listeners. We've got a meditation room here from the USA. Good evening to you. Um, and also some of my, my other regular listeners like Pompey Dog. We love you, Pompey Dog. He always listens from Portsmouth, so thank you, Pompey. Um, and if you want to call in, then, then do. If anybody wants to call in and share their thoughts or views on this, on what we should be doing now past Christmas, should we be looking again at school closures? Should we be whatever happens, keeping schools open? Should we be mandating masks and doing the things that Brent has mentioned as well there in terms of ventilation and enforcing those and closing schools until they're sorted? You know, what should we be doing to keep these schools open or not, right? Um, so, uh, Brent, you, you mentioned, uh, uh, by the way, there's a slight lag, I think, on your internet now. So I don't know where you, basically, I think you moved somewhere with the phone, which has then created a bit of a lag on your on your Wi-Fi. I don't know. Anyway, we'll, we'll keep trying. We'll keep trying. Um, but I was going to ask you about um, the, the, you mentioned the masks and, and so on, but I've started teaching in a, in a school in Spain online and every student I taught over the last three days. Uh, so today and, and last week um, was wearing a mask, every single one. So there wasn't a single student who wasn't wearing a mask out of like 150. None of them removed the masks. Right. But, you know, looking at Twitter and talking to different people, I think there's a huge mask kickback in the UK. I think that might be a general thing because you see it in shops, you see it everywhere, really. It's very, it's much more lax in terms of mask wearing. Um, I wonder whether you think that is the case and 
what you think we do to deal with that if there is a solution to it yeah it, it, there definitely is a case of it um it's there's always been that there where you may, i've had situations where i've had again you know some parents who don't believe in covid problem is is that when you have a government that is not trustworthy is has not told the truth and i go back to many aspects of like weapons of mass destruction in iraq you know yourself the historical cases that government's not always been forthcoming there's a deep suspicion i think within british society of government and when you take the current government the way it's gone on it's not helped so you, you say for instance um schools were safe on january the 4th the prime minister said so the january the 5th last year here he was on television saying schools are closed so the problem is you have this fatigue of constantly this mixed messaging um, and the same with the media. I mean, I, I listen to some, 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 for instance, news presenters and they're, and they're starting to say, oh, well, masks aren't this, that, the other. There's a general feeling of, I think, um, we've had enough of this within the British, British psyche. And then you see the pushback in Parliament and you see the pushback from these individuals calls us, us for them. This, the simple fact of the matter is it's cultural, I think, Tom, to be honest with you. And, and the irony of this, and, and again, a story into a story, and the, the deep irony about this is, I was doing a lesson on this the other day. It's one of the reasons why Britain won First World War is the home front. The home front was united. The home front was was motivated. The home front, everybody did their duty. And there was this obsession with you know Britain winning the war, but they've kind of forgotten that in both world wars, people dug in and actually did their bit and didn't moan. There was a stoicism. So there's a little bit of that that's been lost, I think, within British culture. It's it's I find it quite strange because I mean I grew up in I grew up I grew up in Northern Ireland during the Troubles. So it's interesting. It's quite different over there. People have just sort of got on with it because they're kind of used to that, that type of situation where stuff happens and there's a, there's a little bit of resilience. Mm. I think the British people have unfortunately reached a saturation level where I think they're quite confused. And I don't blame them for a lot of it. I, I blame the leadership in charge because they're, they're given such difficult mixed messaging. You, you, you know, you can walk into a shop and you can sing with your mask off. You can walk. You can you can sing. So there's a rule where you can you can walk into the shop and you can walk around the shop singing. As long as you're singing, you can keep your mask off. I mean, how about this one? The government give me air quality. You know, they give me air quality monitors, but with no ventilation. So that's a bit like giving me um, a fire. That's like basically giving me a fire alarm with no fire extinguisher and no fire escape. What is the point you give me an air quality monitor when the thing I need the most is a ventilation system and windows that actually open fully? And, and you, you, that, there's parts of the school where the air quality is good and in other parts, the 60s build school, where they're not. So it's, it's just confusing. And I think, you know, people have reached that point where they're very confused and the kids are very confused. And, and that lack of clarity has led to, I think, the confusion of not mask wearing. And it has to come from the top. They've got to be clear in their communication. Whereas I know in Spain, Italy, and other countries, they were very clear from day one, yeah, they and they were, were very harsh on their lockdowns. They, they were, yeah, they were. You know, they were. I mean, we we were harsh on the lockdowns, but I think they've been really tight on in terms of mass wearing and, and other things like that. In terms of this idea of remote learning, I'm interested in this that that Mr. Coates uh, messaged in, and this idea of of in the U.S. these schools who are who are going to remote learning one day a week, not because of COVID because of teacher burnout now this is something that i actually uh, could potentially be a fan of this idea because i think that we i'm not saying that online teaching is comparable to face-to-face teaching but if online teaching helps teachers to stay in the classroom for longer then i think it's something we should look at 
because a it it would save money but at the same time it would give teachers a little bit maybe of a break because if you imagine you're a teacher who is commuting for two hours let's say an hour and a half a day 45 minutes there 45 minutes back many teachers do a lot more than that so if you have one day a week which is a remote learning day right regardless of how you do how you sort that timetable wise you have one day a week which is a remote learning day and then the rest of the time would be normal that you then save that teacher hour and a half two hours maybe more in terms of commute time you you potentially save them from burnout by not having to go into the school building. Now, I'm not saying that the problem you've got is I I don't know if all teachers are capable of, 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 of doing online learning in the way that it would need to be to make it in any way comparable to -to face-to-face teaching, if that makes sense. I'm not sure if that, you know, I'm not sure if that's possible, but I'm saying that if it was possible and if the tools and the training were in place, I genuinely think that that could be one avenue that we could look at to try and reduce the problem of teacher burnout. I wonder what your thoughts on that were. Yeah, a couple of quick ones. The, uh, the Detroit guys are absolutely amazing. The, the union um, is very strong there, and I've been reading a lot of stuff about how they've pushed back. So the Detroit teaching unions, I was, I was on an NEU course recently, and, and they were citing a lot of good examples of how the Detroit unions were, were standing up for um, teachers. Uh, so with respect to them, guys, they've literally cracked it. And I, I, I advise you to have a look at what they're doing over there. Um, absolutely fantastic because the American public school system is in some ways worse off than the British one in many ways. Um, that's that one. Secondly, yes, you're right. Um, I have colleagues of mine in their 30s who've been teaching maybe 10 years or so, already go down to four days for longevity. And on that, four, on that fifth day, they do all their school admin. And in that in that day, then they literally they, they go semi part time in order to I suppose do all the admin so they get the weekend with their children. So that's something I've noticed a lot as well, where colleagues of mine are are, are starting to to go a bit more part time in order to I think for health, but for family, for work life balance. And yes, I have a, an example of a, a blended learning um, situation where I had a, a pregnant, heavily pregnant uh, teacher, twenty nine weeks she was. And, and we decided that I, I fought very hard for it, for her to be able to teach from home and remotely teach the children during her pregnancy up till I think she was 37, 38 weeks. And it worked quite well. Mm. It worked really well. That TA I had in class, so the TA was there. Um, well, that's that's a key, you see. I think that it's it, remote teaching can work really well if there's someone else in the classroom. They yeah. don't have to be a teacher. It could really be anybody, to be frank, but somebody to kind of if you like team teach and just support that situation. I think if it's just students in a room with a teacher teaching online, classroom management goes out the window. I think it's really tough. But if you have somebody in the room and then a teacher teaching online, I think it can work really well. Yeah, and, and and the reason it worked because the the teacher had a good bit of capital with the kids. You know, they, mm. the kids the kids played along. They were, they were good kids, and she had a good rapport with with the class. And the class knew the situation. So, and and they use, I, I I got to see it because they were using my classroom as as, as the room they were teaching. So I was sitting in the back marking the books sometimes, because I was curious yeah. to see how that worked out. And equally, yeah. I was kind of since I proposed it, I was curious to see whether it would work because it was it was something I was going to 
propose to the head teacher would be a strategy in order to exactly this save some staff but of course we have to be careful we don't do ourselves out of jobs because you know everybody went to the oak academy stuff and i don't i'm not a big fan um i'd prefer i prefer to create my own materials which are bespoke to the school i look at that and 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 that's you know the likes of the oak academy model doesn't fit everywhere and yeah. I, mean, I look at the quality of the work as well. Um, it's not as good as you'd, you'd like to think. It's not as deep. It's, it's, a, it's a catch-all. It's about like bite size. It's great for a, a supplement. It's not your go-to, is it? Your go-to no. is, is us as professional. Yeah, And, yeah, and you, can't re- you can't replace what we Oh, I'm not. I've, I've yeah. never suggested it, no. that it that it would be the same. But I certainly think it's worth exploring it as an avenue to try and help teachers stay in the classroom. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's And if there, is, if there is value in that, which these destroy public school boards obviously think there is, then it's definitely worth considering for sure. Um, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to break for an ad. Stay where you are, Brent, because um, I want to ask you, uh, just to finish off, about the old uh, DFE Christmas parties. So we'll uh, <laughs> we'll come back to that in a minute. All right, I'll be back with you. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk. Teachers Talk Radio is delighted to support Winston's Wish, the UK's childhood bereavement charity. Winston's Wish supports children and their families after the death of a parent or sibling. They provide emotional and practical bereavement support. Expert teams also provide online resources, specialist publications and training for professionals. Find out more about Winston's Wish and pledge your support at www.winstonswish.org. Okay, welcome back to Teachers Talk Radio. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We've got Farheen, who is joining us live. Mr. Coates has kindly sent two coffees, one for him and one for me. Thank you, Mr. Coates. That's incredibly kind. I don't drink coffee. I only drink Diet Coke. But it's incredibly kind of you to send the coffees. We appreciate it. I'll pass your virtual coffees on to somebody I know who drinks coffee. Uh, I'll take them out of the screen and I will ship them to someone who can virtually drink them. I know lots of people who can virtually drink your coffee tokens. So I want to thank you massively. That's Pompey Dog on Twitter. Pompey Dog, I salute you. Right, I salute you. Uh, welcome as well to Cassie B, who is listening. Cassie B, 2008. Welcome. Good evening. I hope you're well. Uh, we are discussing all the doom and gloom stuff. Uh, Brent, you're back with us now. Um, it sounded like you'd thrown your, your phone down the toilet just before we went to the ad, so hopefully you're still there. Are you still with us? <laughs> I am, Tom, yeah. Oh, well, that's good news. Great. I'm happy. I'm happy. I've got two coffees and you're still there, so it's not all lost. Um, now, the other thing that was funny that I tweeted tonight that I thought was quite entertaining and interesting was that the Department of Education, 10th of December 2020, the Department for Education has confirmed it had a gathering in the office 
to thank staff for their work during the pandemic. And I said, what did the Department of Education do to thank actual teachers for their work during the pandemic, apart from send emails at like five o'clock on a Friday afternoon saying, (laughs) you know, this and that needed to be done. Um, Some of the comments here, they encouraged parents to complain to Ofsted. Was that their thank you? (laughs) (laughs) Which is true. Another one, Sammy Lighthead on Twitter, told us that our online teaching wasn't good enough, pretended the schools had been closed and the teachers weren't working, pay freeze or increase below inflation, question mark. That was a good thank you. We like that. What else have we got here? Told us off for spreading COVID by gathering in staff rooms when there was no evidence of this put forward. Uh, Goodness me. Uh, Someone else says, I can't answer that politely. Well, don't, because we're a very polite show here. Um, I actually said, oh, wait, a tweet? I think they tweeted once. Um, Piaz has tweeted. Piaz, that sounds a slightly weird Twitter handle, but hey-ho. Piaz has tweeted saying, Tom, do you believe they care about you? Well, I don't know, Piaz. They might do, they might not. I have literally no idea. Uh, Phil Taylor has tweeted me saying, needy. I am sure your employer did one or two nice things for you. At least I hope they did. You are not employed at the Department of Education, are you? Phil, rest assured, I am not. And Phil is an Ealing resident since 1987, loves London, and is interested in the numbers, according to his Twitter bio. Well, Phil, if you're interested in the numbers, have a look at the COVID numbers for the last year and have a look at the amount of money the Department of Education has spent on consultants. And then come back to me, because it says here you're interested in numbers. So get on it. Do you think I've sorted that one out, Brent? Uh, well, <laughs> how long you got? I mean, Gavin, Gavin was the gift that kept on giving, wasn't it? And you sort of, it was hilarious seeing him there in his desk with his little red book and his little whip. And you're sort of thinking, he how, he how has he got this far? What dirt has he got? How could he be so bad that a used, a used fire salesman could actually be the, the, the minister in charge of education? And, and I mean, for me, minister in charge of education should have a background in education. They keep doing this. They keep putting people in charge of, of briefs where they've got absolutely mm. no, which is a bit like in schools, you know, in yourself, when you've got like a, a pastoral expert who's put on, who's put on data, you know, you, you know yourself, you've had senior leaders down the years and you're thinking, why are they doing that job? Surely their skill set is more suited towards, you know, it's like mathematicians doing pastoral is not always as good as say, for instance, somebody who's a social scientist and you can get that. But this is our government, isn't it? They've got round pegs and round holes. And, 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 and the, the Department of Education really was a bit of a joke the last year. I mean, and they've been caught out on so many occasions from, from the, the rogue algorithm. Oh, my word, that rogue algorithm. Oh, yeah, the rogue al- We <laughs> oh, love the rogue yeah. algorithm. Oh, yeah. Don't slag the rogue algorithm off on here, Brent, because I love it. Yeah, well, I, I get myself into trouble with the, with the, mathemat- the left-brainers and the mathematicians fraternity. Um, but certainly, yeah, it, 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 they've, they've not acquitted themselves in a way that I was thought whatsoever that I trust them as my, my employers. And, and, and that's the problem is, is that they don't have our best interests at heart. We, I, I felt gaslighted. Uh, mm. I kept drawing the analogy between the lions led by donkeys that my colleagues are brave, you know, lions, and they're, they've done their mm. duty regardless. Uh, and all we've asked for what is is some mitigation and, and the ability to have some autonomy to, to say, you know, put, put your face masks on. But it's mm. these reports they sent out. I, I don't mind times I've gone into my head teacher's office and said, right, you got your report last last night, 60 pages. What are we going to do? 
and, and literally between the two of us going, right, what do you feel we can, we can do within school? So we, there's a lot of gray areas where it was up to individuals to decipher what the latest edict was from the Department of Education. And I want to recall last year, this is the thing that, that stings a lot, is that they were having their Christmas party. And if you remember at the context of December, we, yeah. our Christmas was ruined last year. Not only was it ruined because, you know, the Grinch just stole oh, Christmas. It was terrible, yeah. But we were worried about what we're coming back to. We we're coming back into in, into into the virus, but also that we didn't have mitigation. Plus, also we, they were talking about us doing the testing, and about bringing an army of volunteers come full yeah, circle. Yeah. And there was the Department in, uh, of the Education, LastMinute.com, as they as they are, you know, sending this out. While there were two, not it was a, hap, a slapdash document. Well, of yeah. course it was slapdash document because they probably all had a hangover. That's why. <laughs> You can't make it up. They're, you know, they've got one job to do, which is to, is to give us instructions. And they don't give us instructions. And then we find out that they're, they're having an office party and, 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 and when they shouldn't. Um, it is mind-bending. It really is. Because, I mean, as you say, last December was probably one of the worst times of COVID. You know, it was a time when everything was kicking off. Uh, it really was. Uh, Mr. Coates is texting. Given how the DfE performed, I'm not sure a reward assembly was appropriate. More like a class detention. I do wonder if Gavin galvanised teachers, though. We united against a common obstruction. Him. Had teachers were lauded for getting the job done against all odds in some ways. Was it a good thing we had such poor leadership at the very top? No. <laughs> it wasn't. No. 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 I don't know. Well, maybe it was. I, I don't know anymore. I don't even know anymore. Um, yeah, he's done a wink. He, he, know, he knows the score. He knows the score. But I think it's... It's a tough one, to be fair. I, I, I don't really... I mean, one, I do sympathise with the argument of everyone would have messed this situation up, okay? So regardless of, of, of how badly the government may or may not have done, I don't believe there would be any British government who would not have done some real boo-boos. It's just that this government seems to have done some massive boo-boos repeatedly. But I think every government would have especially in 2020, would have done some, some some bad ones. Do you know what I mean? I think that would have happened regardless. So it's, yeah. almost like, yeah. it's almost like how bad do you think they are versus how bad someone else would have been, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's obviously impossible to say. I mean, I think we can say it's been bad, but it's how bad is difficult to say. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, it, it was a difficult situation, but that only stretches so far. But again, looking at the historical perspective of it, they should have set aside their differences and put a national a national unity government together for a mm. while. Mm. They did it in two thousand and eight with austerity. They did it during the two world wars, and, yeah. and they should have said. Yeah. And the, the problem is, is is this lobbying and this polit- political, and these individuals, these these backbenchers, who, for want of a better word, you know, in many ways they, they were exposed for what they think education really is. That's the thing that we've seen. We've we've shined a light. And we've seen the double standards of kids are important, kids are important, but we're not going to feed them. Kids are important, kids are important. We'll, we'll get, we need them to get caught up. We need them to get caught up. Fifteen billion pounds is needed. Okay, here's one point five billion pounds. So there's there's been that contradiction where they've they've sounded out and and used you know the, the words but not followed mm. it up with actions. And that's the thing mm. I can't forgive them for is I, I'm teaching in the sixth wealthiest country in, in in the world, and I don't feel that I'm teaching in the sixth wealthiest country in the world when it comes to the resources. And I've been an international schools coordinator. I've gone out to other countries and seen how their education systems are set up. Education systems aren't set up as well as they should be. They're not as valued. And I think I felt, I felt that for the first time in my career, I felt like I'm expendable and I felt like a glorified childminder. 
Well, this was internationally. You felt that way? No, no. This is this is the UK because. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 no, no, I agree because I've thought internationally, and I would say it's the complete opposite. Yeah. You know, in Spain, you know, the respect for teachers, the way in which they are treated, it's just completely different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and I do, I do come from an education system slightly different because you know, education at home is is very revered. Teachers are more revered in in, in Ireland. There's there's not a shortage as there is in England, and that's mm. that's one of the things that always upsets me is to think that a lot of my good colleagues have reached that saturation point where they don't feel appreciated, they don't feel that all the efforts they go to, and that's not just in. T- I think that's the public sector, Tom. I'll be honest with you, because look mm. at our police officers; they've just been mm. added from left, right, and centre. Oh, and that, they've got battered, haven't they? Oh, Makes and me... uh, doctors, doctors as well. And the thing is, I've got a yeah. two two and a half thousand kids I've taught in my career, and I've, I keep in contact with a lot of them who've gone into careers like that. And and the amount of ones that contacted me, the amount of people you might have got this yourself, the amount of ex pupils of mine who contacted me during during that time of reflection, which mm. we call lockdown. Where they were going, yeah. that's it. I'm changing career because they sort of felt I can't do this any longer. And the burnout mm. rate in teaching is the same in, in the police and the same in nursing. Mm. There's, a, there's a definite horrible thing that's happening with the public sector's just being in one way hived off and broken a little bit. And I think we're part of the same narrative of my colleagues in solidarity with them and the rest of the public sector. So, an artist, of course, the, the, the devil's advocate would, you know, I'm sure. There would be the devil's advocate who would say, well, maybe the public sector in Britain's had it too easy or whatever, or they've, you know, they haven't had it the same as the private sector over many years and therefore we're just levelling it out a bit. I, you know, that would be the counter argument, wouldn't it, that would be put yeah. apart. Yeah, we get the job um, security, don't we? We, we, we have the supposed yeah. pension. Yeah. And, and we're, we're looked after in many ways. But at the same time, during the period, I've, I mean, I'm teaching 18 years, during the period 2010 to 2019, yeah. our wages were stagnant and going backwards, while anybody in the public sector can make as much money as possible. You know, yeah. so that's the thing. We, 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 we don't go into teaching to be financially rewarded, but we should be, to a certain extent, be able to, to, to live a decent life. And when you have yeah. new teachers coming in and doing multiple jobs, I've got colleagues of mine, young colleagues of mine, who volunteered for every day going during the COVID crisis um, yeah. because, because they needed the money. They, they needed, they needed the, and they were doing extra jobs as well um, because a, a starting teacher salary isn't what it should be when you compare it to yeah. other professions. So yeah. uh, the whole thing needs looked at, Tom, root and branch, to be honest with you. Yeah. Brent, listen, we could go on all evening about this. Thanks so much for calling in tonight. It's been, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure and uh, hope to speak to you again soon. Yeah, just two things before we go. Oh, go on. Yeah, thank you for the TikTok thing. That was brilliant of you. Uh, it was very brave of oh. you. And it's it's actually raised a couple of issues where um, I've, been, I've been able to spot a couple of things like that. So that was very brave of you. It was not easy thank to you. do, but thanks for thank that. And, and good luck in Spain as well. Thanks, mate. That's really that's really kind. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Cheers. You take care. See you later. Bye. That was Brent Poland. Very kindly, my guest this evening. Coming on last minute. Uh, to kind of spread his COVID-based wisdom with us all. Uh, if you missed any shows from today, by the way, because there's been some epic recent Teachers Talk Radio shows that you may have missed. Uh, this morning, Tabitha McIntosh was on, so make sure you go to the website. Go to ttradio.org. Check it out there. You've got all today's shows. You've got all the weekend shows. You've got Tom Bennett with uh, Emma on Saturday, which is a good one to catch up on. You've got Tabitha from this morning. Emily Fuller Run Show tonight was with Hugh Richards talking about middle leadership. You've got a whole range of shows every single day. I know, I know you're never going to have time to listen to them all. No way. But what you can do is you can look back, you know, pick the shows that you like, pick the shows that you want to listen to, and definitely have a listen back. 
and hopefully you'll enjoy it as much as we enjoy making them. 320,000 downloads now on Teachers Talk Radio, and that is attributed to all our listeners, including those who are listening right now, which is Nick and Pompey Dog and Cassie B and Brent and everybody else who's in this studio at the moment. Um, Tim doesn't count because Tim is just amazing and part of the TTR team, but everybody else who's listening, whether you're on desktop, whether you're on mobile, thank you for tuning in on Teachers Talk Radio. I'll be back uh, same time next week. Uh, tomorrow, you've got lots of shows to look forward to again. 7 a.m. live is Mal on The Breakfast Show. And then following that, uh, we've got about, God, we've got about 20 shows coming up this week. So just, just check out on the website and click that live button and you can listen in. Pompey Dog, thank you for saying it was a great show. I agree with you. I enjoyed it. Take care, everyone. And I'll speak to you very, very soon. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.